Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? And I'm your host, Darren Johnson. Welcome to the show. If you are new to the I Dare You podcast, welcome to the room. I'm really glad you're here. I invite you to subscribe and follow us so you do not miss an episode. Also, all the action is happening on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. So join us there. Would love to meet you there. That's the best way to reach out to me. Give me feedback. I love communicating with everyone. I get back to as many direct messages as I can. I'm pretty good at it. So take me up on that. Let me know how you're liking the show. And welcome to this particular episode. This is the month of September. And September is also Brain Aneurysm Awareness Month. Consider for a moment, you guys, that one out of 50 people in the United States, one out of 50, has an unruptured brain aneurysm. Does that shock you? <laughs> it might. And out of those one out of 50, 30,000 Americans every single year have a ruptured brain aneurysm. It's a traumatic brain injury. And so many of us have been impacted by this, either directly or friends and family. So our guest in episode 88 is Michelle Nelson. Some of you know Michelle. If you don't, you're going to a very special woman. She is many things, including a brain aneurysm survivor. She's also a mom of three and also a former intensive care unit nurse. She was an ICU nurse more than 15 years, taking care of all sorts of patients in the ICU, including patients who experienced brain aneurysms, strokes, and the like. Now, Michelle did all the right things with her life. She was taking good care of herself. She exercised. She was living clean and living right. And suddenly, five years ago, as she was warming up to do a CrossFit workout, as she often did during the week, she had the worst headache of her life. And that's where her journey began and her life changed forever. Now, I know so much about this story and about Michelle because I am fortunate enough to be Michelle's husband. As we were coming up on her five-year anniversary of that day where she suffered her subarachnoid hemorrhage, I was traveling with Michelle, and I just said, hey, Michelle, what, would you do this for me? Would you just be my guest in the podcast? I'm just going to turn the microphone on. I'll turn the camera around. Will you answer a few questions? Now, if you know Michelle, <laughs> the answer on that 99% of the time is no. But the fact that she sat down for a very quick interview to share her story with all of us, pretty lucky. She shared some things that even I didn't know <laughs> as her husband. Michelle will talk about the subarachnoid hemorrhage. And so you know what that is. It is a stroke. It's a type of stroke where the blood pools in the area between the brain and the skull, most commonly through a ruptured brain aneurysm, which is what Michelle had. It can also cause your arteries to narrow unpredictably and cause vasospasms. Blood vessels in the brain, they spasm or narrow, limiting or blocking blood flow to vital areas of the brain. That happens typically five to 10 days post-event. When the vasospasms hit, the brain tissue could be damaged further or trigger another stroke. Now, the hospitals were referred to, just so you have some context of where we are, she was taken to the neuro ICU at Intermountain Healthcare in Salt Lake City. And then, after spending 30 days there, she went to the, the University of Utah Craig H. Nielsen Rehabilitation Hospital, also in Salt Lake City. Both of these institutions are world-class, and we count ourselves as very lucky that Michelle had this type of care, which we know is not always the case. Let's not wait any longer. Brain aneurysm survivor, Michelle Nelson, is in the house. From a side room at a Hilton thousands of miles away from Idaho, I turned the microphone on, and here's what it sounded like. Michelle, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. 
What does it feel like to be on the podcast? This is kind of exciting. Well, at least it is for me. What do you think? I'm doing it. <laughs> All right. So let's let's go back to it, Michelle. You heard what I described. Um, give everyone a bit of a background about who you are. Who is Michelle Nelson? Well, Michelle is a retired RN, and um, the day that it happened to me, I was supposed to go get our youngest daughter, Sonia, from Bozeman, Montana, where she was going to school. Um, But that morning, I thought, I don't have to be there so early. She can wait until I exercise. So I went to my CrossFit gym, where I work out with a trainer. He owns it. And he is a firefighter slash first responder. So it's a great place to be if you have trouble. So I, I did that. I started to work out. And he gave me something to do, said, I want you to do it five times. You can rest a minute in between, watch the clock. And he walked away. And at that moment, I got a massive headache when he walked away. And I felt like I was going to faint. Um, so I thought, uh-oh, I can't faint and hit my head. That would be terrible. So I just laid down on the floor. And eventually he came back over to me. And he said, what's wrong with you? What, what was, uh, describe that, that pain. I mean, I've heard a lot about with, with brain aneurysms or strokes that there's a headache. But describe that headache. Describe that pain. It was just a massive headache. It came out of nowhere. I didn't have one the night before. I didn't have one that morning. I just had one instantly at CrossFit while I was exercising. I just wanted it to go away. But as a nurse, I know that when people come into the hospital with a massive headache or high blood pressure, which I didn't know what my pressure was, but I knew something was wrong in the head. So I needed to get a CT scan of my head. I don't know if you remember this or not, but so I came to pick you up at the CrossFit gym and I brought you to the ER and because the hospital is really close to, but do you remember what you said? You kind of self-diagnosed yourself. Do you remember? I just said, I need a CT scan. And they said, why did you hit your head? And I said, no, I have a massive headache. I need a CT scan. I got to see what's happening. They did a CT scan of my head and found two aneurysms up there. They could not um, deal with me in Idaho Falls, so they flew me to Salt Lake City to a hospital. So those who are listening, though, are maybe wondering about how prevalent is this? That's the question that I continue to get. It's the right question. Where does this come from? What are some of the early warning signs? I mean, uh, were you a smoker, Michelle? Were you overweight? Were you? So where do brain aneurysms come from? How do they happen? No, I wasn't a smoker, and I wasn't... I wasn't really overweight. Um, I was exercising. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I don't think my surgeon knows either. Those that don't know, a brain aneurysm, it's also known as a cerebral aneurysm or um, intracranial aneurysm. Basically, it's a bulge or ballooning in a blood vessel in the brain. That's what it is. And an aneurysm, it it often looks just like a berry hanging on a stem. In fact, I remember the surgeons showing me that before they went in, Michelle, and uh, operated on you. But here's what happens. The brain aneurysms form and grow because blood flowing through the blood vessel puts pressure on a weak area of the vessel wall. And that can increase the size of the brain aneurysm. And then, of course, if the brain aneurysm leaks or ruptures, then you got bleeding in the brain. And that's what causes that type of a stroke. And you had a subarachnoid hemorrhage. 
on the left side of your brain. And so, yeah, you mentioned your life lighted down. You had brain surgery the next day. What do you remember or what did the surgeon tell you about what they found? Well, he clamped both of my aneurysms and was ready to cut them out and they burst. So I did bleed into my head. I did have a stroke. The, uh, the surgeon, you remember this, he was a Tom Petty fan, and he was, uh, well, he, and that, since he came in the, the uh, ICU, neuro ICU, and he was just decked out in Tom, Bet- Tom Petty uh, t-shirts and scrubs, <laughs> I, uh, for some sick reason, I knew we were in good hands, but he, he did a really good job, really good job, job with you. Okay, so now, the surgery was um, successful. They clamped the aneurysms. And there you are in the neuro ICU. What do you remember about your 30-day stay in the neuro ICU in Salt Lake? I remember nothing. I don't know if that's my body trying to protect me, but I don't remember the flight down there. I don't remember that hospital. I don't remember the surgeon. I just met him for the first time in, in my world for an outpatient visit that we had after my stroke was over, after I was out of the hospital. So the uh, neuro ICU down in Salt Lake City is a top notch. And for those listening, I bet in, in these major metropolitan areas, you, we have these neuro ICUs, which specialize in, then in these, these types of things. And, um, but there's still a lot about the brain that even the experts do not know. And, and there's things called va- uh, vasospasms, which f- seven to 10 days after the surgery, that's a high risk then of another stroke happening. And so to the uh, stroke survivor and to the families, they're waiting then in that, that really difficult period uh, post-operation for potentially vaso or vasospasms, which could lead to another stroke. And it's just, it's like a hurricane is coming offshore. You just don't know if it's a category five or category one. And Michelle, you knew none of this, but we just were praying for a category one hurricane on this because when vasospasms come and they do come we just pray that it's they're they're not massive and uh, and you did thread the needle because of the nursing staff and the host and the uh, and the team the entire team uh, at the hospital my daughters anyway said well if you if you want a memory mom we have videos of you so I said I want to see them and it was um, you know it's it was nurses trying to get me to do things, and I didn't remember them. Um, but here I was, when I had my massive headache, I was at CrossFit, I was working out. And one of the videos was Michelle, post-stroke, aneurysm and stroke, trying to step on this uh, one-inch platform on the ground. It was hardly taking up any, any height, and I had a hard time getting onto that inch board it was awful i don't know i just i looked so i looked awful that's just my opinion and i i couldn't do anything it just was quite a shock to me so i saw a lot of videos and as we got to the rehab hospital the videos were getting better i was doing more things successfully you could not you couldn't move you couldn't walk you couldn't lift your leg, you couldn't lift your arms, you couldn't move your hands. So when you say you, the video shows that and you're getting better, it was amazing the progress 
that you made. Um, and, and, and that's a testament to you, but also to all of the people listening who are healthcare professionals in, you know, nurses and rehab specialists and surgeons and everybody that is involved with something like this. You guys are heroes because what you do for these, for these patients is, is just a miracle. We talk about the nurses as being angels and what they did. The rehab hospitals, the physical therapy team, um, occupational therapy, I mean, just incredible people. And what they do for families every single day is it's just, just remarkable. That's what I thought of when you were talking about those videos. Mm-hmm. You were doing it, but there's also a team of people around you. Did you see that? They're helping Yes, you. yes. There was always, there was at least a couple nurses helping me walk yeah. because one needed to be on each side of me or to move the IV pole that I had in me. So I had a lot of people helping me. And I'm very thankful for all those nurses and the doctors, the neurosurgeon. Thank you. It's time to get discharged then. You entered the rehab hospital in Salt Lake City. What do you remember about your rehab? I don't remember being transferred over there. I just remember waking up one day and I was in the rehab hospital. I don't know how long I'd been there. I got PT, OT, and an English teacher. Yeah, so, so describe, though, what did you have to learn in just, like, um, really common language? What did you have to do? Uh, it was frustrating for me, but I didn't really have my wits about me. I just had to relearn everything. You know, everything that I could do before, I had to relearn it. I had to learn how to swallow, how to eat, talk, read, walk, exercise, drive a car, everything. I had to relearn how to do everything. With a traumatic brain injury, you just never know what the deficits are going to be. And that's one thing that I really wanted to know. I remember talking to the doctors and I was just looking them right in the eye and saying, what is gonna happen to Michelle? Is she gonna live or not? If she is going to live, what's going to be her state? In other words, is it a nursing home? Do you need a walker? Do you need, you know, what, what is it going to look like? And they would not give me the answer. They just wouldn't do it because we didn't know what the deficits were. So you entered the rehab hospital and you relearned a lot of those things, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And you just showed so much grit every single day and such a great attitude. And are you aware of that, that you were showing grit and a great attitude or, or, or not? I really want to know. I never asked you this question. At what point did you determine, okay, something happened to me and this is not going to be the way. I, I am going to fight and, and come back from this. And maybe I'm projecting here, but what do you recall about that time? I don't recall a lot. I know that I went every day to the PT and OT and English as a second language or as as my first language, but um, I just tried to do whatever they asked me to do, and I, I couldn't do it well. It was frustrating sometimes, but I just, I just tried to do whatever they told me to do. I don't know when I had the realization that I have to fight this. I just was trying to do whatever they asked of me. I remember, um, mostly from pictures, that you brought our dog, Buster. He's a golden doodle. He's no longer living because he had cancer. He passed away. They were kind of let Buster come into the hospital. I still remember Buster, who had really bad joints. He was limping down the hallway at the rehab hospital. He looked like he needed a lot of rehab as well. But he came into the room. He hadn't seen you for about a month. And uh, he was struggling to get up on the bed. And he just couldn't because his limbs were so bad. So we lift, lifted him up, 
put him right there. And um, what, do, yeah, what do you remember about that? He is just a sweetie, and he loves his mom, and I, I loved him too. So he, he was a good companion for me. I just, I just was in another place. I wasn't thinking correctly. So everyone listening, we are on the road right now, Michelle and I are, and we're at this Hilton in a really hot side room. <laughs> it's hot in here, isn't it? It's hot. Yes, it's hot. So, so anyway, we're sweating, but just a few more questions, Michelle. We, we've been traveling, though, with a group of leaders. You're, we're traveling from my work. We were um, spent about a week with 40, yeah, about 35 other people. And we were, uh, all night, all week long, we were sharing stories about what are some of the things in our lives that have shaped us. And Michelle, you, and we haven't talked about this, but isn't it something that in that group of, you know, 35, 40 people, isn't it amazing how many people have gone through a significant health scare? There was a ton of them that had cancer stories um, that still have cancer or that have had surgery and are recovered from it. A ton of, of bad marriages, which are fixed, and there was some addiction, but they all turned out well. Yeah, but to, and to me, the takeaway on that is that in, in life, it's not a question of if something's going to happen to you or to your family. It really is a question of when. We're not guaranteed a perfect life. And I have to tell you, Michelle, before this happened to you, this was never part of our plan. I never thought for a minute that anything would ever happen to you. You ate well, you exercised, you're, you're an athlete in high school and in college. You took really, really good care of yourself. And then on just a normal morning, two hours after I left the house, I get that text message saying that, you know, you need to be taken to the hospital. The point is, everything can happen so fast. I'm stating the obvious. What do you think? Yes, I'm sorry that it happened to me, but it did. And um, I, we, I worked hard, and I, I feel basically recovered. Um, I'm still a retired nurse. I don't want to go back to working as a nurse because I always worked intensive care, and my brain is just not... 100%. So I don't think I could make the quick decisions that I need to when intensive care is, you know, a serious place to work. So I, I'm retired. So let's go there. What are some of the deficits that you have? Because in the hospital, in rehab, they said there will be deficits. It was happened on the left side of your brain. It could have impacted your, you, you know, your speech, your right, right side as far as physically. It could have impacted your reading or writing or what, in your own words, what are your biggest deficits, Michelle? I have a problem with my left eye. It has trouble seeing. I, I go to a, an eye doctor, and she had me on several tests and things to take home and to read them. And so she ended up putting prisms in my glasses, and then all the letters lined up correctly, and I could, could read them. Um, so that was good. So I have, um, I have glasses that I'm supposed to wear when I drive. I don't read very well. I, I can't read long. If I get a really long text, I will say to Darren, can you just, can you just read this to me? So I, I listen to audiobooks now instead of reading them. Um, and in my therapy, I was uh, reading 
uh, kid books, like first grade books, second grade books. And they were okay, but I, I have a hard time with adult books. So that's, I, I was, um, initially I was, I'm right-handed, but I was weaker on my right side. And now I'm equal. I can squeeze equally with both, both hands. And so that's good. That's all I can think of, my eyes and I can't read. I can't read very well. And then my brain is just, it's a problem. And I make a lot of mistakes sometimes, more when I'm tired. Yeah. And you correct me, so thank you. Mm -hmm. But uh, just like um, I'm trying to think of a month, I, I will know it starts with A, so I'll say April when I mean August. Mm -hmm. I just get them mixed up. Yeah. So before the injury to now, uh, is, is my sense of humor gotten better or has it gone backwards? <laughs> backwards no I don't know no but and I was always calm before but now since my stroke I think I'm more calm nothing bothers me nothing no you are you know what you are you're very very zen mm -hmm. which I'm not criticizing you but yeah there's nothing that bothers you anymore and I've, I've said this to you and, I, and those who are listening who um, are um, have had a stroke or you are family members. I don't mean this in a mean-spirited way. If it comes off that way, it, it's not my intent. I think about you before the stroke, Michelle, mm -hmm. and holy smokes, there was, there were, <laughs> you didn't have a short temper, but there were times when, when it was time to go, you were, you were there. I mean, you were just like, you didn't take any crap. You didn't, you still are Michelle, but man, you're a lot more zen now. And, and is that intentional or is that just, what, what do you think? you think I'm off base? No, I am much more relaxed. I, I can't control it. I just, I'm just relaxed. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. It's a good thing, Darren. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do you have the ability now with your brain injury to think about what your life was like before and almost like looking at yourself before the injury and what, what type of person you were, what you did, how you thought, how you acted? Do you have that ability? Um, somewhat. I just, just know that I'm much more relaxed. Um, I don't really, people don't bother me. They can say whatever they want to me. I do. I don't take offense to anything. Um, our children, if they have a problem, I just say, you know, that's their problem. I'm not going to worry about it. They got to deal with it. They got to change if they want to, but if they don't, they just have to live with it. So I'm just, I'm more relaxed, and I don't take things on. Michelle, what, what are some of the things you've learned through this, everything you've, you've been through? I've learned you can't take things for granted. You just have to live your life the best you can. Um, be nice to people. Be polite always. Um, I tell you what, my husband, he is hard to reach a little bit when he's at work, and my trainer, Sam, just texted him, and he answered. So I'm thankful that he came and took me to the hospital. And um, after it was all over, I got this necklace. He got one for his mom and for our two daughters, Hannah and Sonia, uh, for all the women that are important to him, which is me. D describe the necklace for those who are not watching this video. It is a Tiffany's cross. 
and I love it. I wear it every day, all the time. So backstory on that. Yeah, no, this was a time when we were waiting for the uh, vasospasms to roll in. You know, you're about seven days post-surgery. And frankly, I didn't, I, we didn't think you were going to make it. And I went home. I drove from Salt Lake City to Idaho Falls to wash clothes and take care of stuff. And I, when I came into the garage, I tripped on something. It was a plank, a wooden plank. You had bought that plank from the church uh, just a couple weeks before that. It was like a fundraiser where we were going to buy a, a plank, a wooden plank, and then put it up on the wall. Our task was to sign our names or put your f- favorite Bible verse on this wooden plank. Do you remember that? What did it say? Well, the verse, I, I tripped on it. And I looked down at it. And it was John 3.16 in your handwriting. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in me shall have everlasting life in your handwriting. And that's when I knew that you got a chance. That's when I knew that, okay, whatever happens, it's going to be okay. I went to Tiffany's, <laughs> and I bought those necklaces. So whenever I see that necklace, I think of John 3.16. And uh, you've done so well, Michelle. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And I, I'm not a big jewelry person, but my husband gave me this, and I love it. I don't need, I don't need more jewelry. So... I just have this. But give us your own philosophy of wellness and how you live your life and the habits that are important to you. Why do you do it? Um, Because you survive longer. You have a better life while you're alive for your children, for your husband, for yourself, for the people around you. Um, Wellness, to me, um, is being physically fit and eating well. being financially well, staying out of debt. So the takeaway on this, guys, is this, that I think everyone, everyone is going through something in life. Everybody is. And even though they don't come out and say it, and because on the surface, it appears like nothing's going on in their life. But if you dig down just a little bit more, they are going through something, or they have been going through something. And having that knowledge, it changes your entire perspective on them. Hey, Michelle, you know where I'm going. You listen to every podcast. You know this. At the end of every podcast, I ask my guests, what is your I Dare You challenge for all of us? So, Michelle Nelson, what is your I Dare You challenge for for all of us who want to live a better life? What do you think? I dare you to be more relaxed, more understanding, to get along with everyone, be polite. You can do it. It's a really good challenge. Michelle, um... Yeah, this has been, uh, thanks for just letting us turn the camera around or turn the microphone on and let me ask you some of these questions. I love you. I'm proud of you. And uh, you're doing fantastic. Thank you. And I love you too, Darren. And um, I'm going to put the microphone down and then we're going to head back to Idaho, okay? Okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's go home. (laughs) Okay. That was Michelle Nelson. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Michelle a little bit better brain aneurysm survivor and you heard a lot about resiliency and recovery in her interview and her journey is still ongoing recovering from a traumatic brain injury and we are not the only family she is not the only person going through that so what will you take away from this interview for me it's brain aneurysm awareness month my challenge to you is to heighten your awareness on brain aneurysms not only that one in 50 of americans have a brain aneurysm but that thirty thousand of those aneurysms 
will rupture during the course of a year. And building that awareness, and when you see these warning signs and you have that worst headache of your life, do not hesitate. Get medical care as quick as you possibly can. At that point, it's a race against time and you have to move. Better chance you have for the, a favorable outcome and a much better recovery. And Michelle was doing all the right things. She was eating right. She was exercising. She had a pretty low-stress lifestyle, and she had a brain aneurysm, subarachnoid hemorrhage. You can do all the right things. Michelle's recovery was greatly aided by the fact she was in great shape. Lastly, I'll just say this, but I've never been more scared in my life when I realized that when the doctor said she has a traumatic brain injury, at that point, everything got real. And when I realized that this is, this is the type of injury that many people do not make it. And let me just address a couple things to uh, the family members that have lived through this and are supporting stroke victims or victims of a brain aneurysm. I know what you're going through. It is not easy. And for me, what I experienced that the support was not nearly as great as I thought that there would be as soon as we left the hospital. And that's, that was my experience. And I'm not alone. I've talked to other, in this case, husbands or spouses who notice the exact same thing. So it puts a lot of pressure on you and also your family. And just know that I'm, I'm right there with you. And uh, when you come to Instagram, at I Dare You Pod, drop me a note. would love to get connected with you. A few resources that are out there. There are so many apps that can help with brain injuries. And if you go to the app store and just search a few out, and there's, there's so many, and there's some really, really good ones that that they gamify recovery in a way, whether the deficit is in math or in reading or in memory or in language or whatever that is, there's, there's help out there through this wonderful world of technology. Secondly, the rehab that we experienced was not, it was great. It was, the outpatient rehab was good, but it was want, we wanted more. And so Michelle's best rehab, honestly, was getting right back into CrossFit and being surrounded by an encouraging group of people that are cheering her on and that social aspect of it. Now, I'm not saying it's CrossFit. I'm just saying in general, be aware of some of these other things that are around you that once you get into that routine, it's just a great way to continually work on whatever your deficit is, whether it's balance or strength or your grip, whatever that might be. Uh, and by the way, I'm not telling you to do it. Uh, I'm not giving you healthcare or you know, health advice, but I'm saying look into it, consider it. What might there be out there? Michelle also does Peloton. We bought her a treadmill, which I know is not cheap. But having her work out on the Peloton treadmill allows her then in the safety of her home to work on different things with her gait and her rhythm and her, uh, her walking and her running. So again, I'm just encouraging everyone that it may seem lonely at times, but you're not alone. And uh, connect with me at I Dare You Pod. We'd love to hear your story. Thanks for tuning in to this one, guys. And get ready for next week, episode 89. Our guest, you guys, it is John Deloney. Dr. John Deloney from the Ramsey Network. One of the most downloaded episodes we've ever had. He's, he's a repeat guest, our very first repeat guest we've ever had. He's back. And he's got a fantastic story to tell about how to build a non-anxious life. So John Deloney's coming up next week, October 3rd. I can't wait for you to hear this one. It's another great episode of the I Dare You podcast. I appreciate you being here every single week. 
we are in the business of changing lives here. Uh, and you are part of this group. It's growing because you're sharing the episodes with others. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you for doing that. It's a noisy world out there. So when you take that step, it makes your world a difference. So keep it up. And thank you. All right. See you back here next week on the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.